My name is Sarah Fennell, and since 2009, I have been on a rocket ship of personal growth and life mastery. From quitting my career as a dental hygienist and launching an online business, to becoming an international fitness and magazine cover model, to finding the love of my life, my twin flame, and building a business together, to dealing with chronic illness and suffering from breast implant illness, along with managing bipolar disorder. It has not been easy. I've been in a cycle of losing myself and finding myself for over a decade. But I've come to understand that this is life. I am never afraid to give up the good, to go for great, and constantly reinvent myself to have an extraordinary life. I am a seeker, and I invite you on a journey with me to become the best version of yourself, to live your best life. This is the Fulfillment Project Podcast. Welcome back to the show. We have a special episode today because we are doing Tea Time with Emma and Sarah and Claudia. Welcome, ladies. We have Emma and Claudia here. You two have both been on the show before. I'm so excited to dive into this with you. Thanks for having us. So excited to be here again. We have a juicy topic today, something that we've actually been chatting about having this conversation with, yeah. so I'm really glad we all got together to do this, which is people-pleasing. <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many things to talk about with people-pleasing. Uh, it's so funny because I feel like I bonded with both of you ladies on so many levels because we had that in common. Yes, we do. Yeah. Work in progress. Yeah, recovering people-pleasers. Yeah, and especially as women who we all run businesses, which I think we can fall in the trap of. And, uh, you know, through this conversation, I want to get into some examples uh, so our listeners can maybe identify whether they are a people-pleaser or not. Because it's never anything that I labeled myself as, only until I started developing myself and realizing certain habits um, and behaviors that were just not serving me because I was serving everybody else. Mm -hmm. Right. I think one thing that I've come to realize is that People-pleasing actually has been really good for my business in so many ways, right? Like pleasing a client, exceeding a client's expectations, like that's how you maintain clients, that's how you grow your business. I think the problem comes when we pair people-pleasing with a lack of boundaries, Mm -hmm. and that's what I started to discover with myself. Like as my business grew, I realized, wow, I take no days off. I work seven days a week. You know, I have no boundaries. I'm answering emails Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. Why? Yes. Because I'm a people-pleaser. Yes, yes. (sighs) Yeah. Um, And I mean, I I don't know, and I'm just going to throw this out there. You know, do you feel it's more of a female trait than... That's a good question. I feel like I've had this conversation more with like female, you know, high achievers, want to please everybody kind of personality. Yeah, I I think Um, so. I think it is. I'll say that I think it is. Um, But whether or not that's genetic or the product of how we're socialized as women... From a very young age, I think it's hard to say. You know, I think women tend to stereotypically, you know, have more like maternal instinct, mm-hmm. like provide, nurture, give, nurture. and often that comes at the expense of themselves. Like, how many moms do we know? They're like, I haven't, I haven't put myself first in forever. You know, mm-hmm. so I think there's some maybe biological predisposition towards that, but also, you know, as women, we're we're socialized from a very young age to. Um, be quite agreeable. Yeah. You know, to go Sit, with be the... pretty, be perfect, and right. smile. Yeah, and be a good great. girl. Yeah. Be a good girl. Yeah. Be a good girl. Exactly. Don't rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I think it's both, probably. Yeah. yeah. 
When, Claudia, would you say that you started identifying seeing too many people-pleasing traits in your life? When I started to do the work, because I didn't notice I was doing it, you know, to me it was just how I was. But then doing the work and like obviously personal growth, reading books, trying to develop myself in all sorts of ways in my business, my personal life, I was like, oh, I've been doing this for a very long time, you know? And we can talk about like how, you know, this kind of started, but... Yeah, it's been a few years, I would say, but I've definitely been doing it for more than that. Mm -hmm. What about yourself, Emma? Oh, gosh. I would say it was within the last couple of years. Um, One thing that I realized was that I needed better boundaries. So that's kind of the first thing that that came to light for me. And it wasn't even in my business. It was in my relationships, right? Um, Like I went through a really bad breakup and that brought so many things to the surface. Like, oh my gosh, like why did I do so much for this other person who like you know, didn't reciprocate, didn't, you know, do the same for me. Like, why, why am I that kind of person? Like what has led me to become that kind of person? Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of, you know, working on that, like working with a counselor, doing a lot of introspection, which we were talking about is so tiring. Yeah. Like it's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting to do the work because you start analyzing your life. Everything. Everything. Yeah. So Wait. that's that's what happened. Sorry. Yes, that's what happened. So what ended up with me was like, I realized I needed better boundaries. And then it started to dawn on me that I had bad boundaries in my business too. You know, with clients, with client expectations or unreasonable expectations, that sort of thing. And it just opened up the floodgates of like, oh my goodness, every aspect of my life needs to change in some way. Yeah. And that's kind of the, um, you know, personal development is it's like a catch 22. Once you open that door, sometimes it can just be a floodgate that opens up. And when you start doing the work, it's when you start illuminating all the areas of your life that you just weren't looking at. Because once you gain that personal control um, and almost that confidence to be able to change your life, you start to look at so many different areas. Right. Yeah. yeah, the awareness is there right. everywhere now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's right. not compartmentalized. Yeah. Like, one. Where else can I grow? What else can I learn? What yeah. else am I doing without yeah. you know really realizing that I'm doing it? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, awesome. So let's go through some ideas uh, so our listeners can maybe say, "Oh my goodness, that's me." Because um, like we've all said here, we did not realize we were people pleasers. Yeah. And you don't even realize how much it impacts your life until you start to be on the other side of it. Yeah. Um, you start to gain that confidence. You start to gain those boundaries, like right. what you had said. Um, so Claudia, what are some examples that our listeners can maybe relate to or some things that have happened in your life where you're like, oh my goodness, um, I was totally people pleasing and serving everybody else but myself. Mm-hmm. So many examples. Um, if I start with, I used to work in a small, high-end, awesome studio and I would show up early, early morning and leave late, late at night and just do everything to make sure that my boss and the other trainers and all of the clients were taken care of. So that meant a lot of traffic jams for me and snowstorms and like bringing the towels to my own apartment to wash them during the weekends, doing everybody else's programs, cleaning the gym, being there, like I said, full time, but I was not being paid for it. And to me, it was like, oh, I'm new in this industry. I have to prove myself. I have to make sure everybody's okay. Mm -hmm. And then my boss will love me if I do this for him all the time. Uh, So that was like, a couple years in my early 20s and then I went traveling after and I stepped back and I was like why did I do all of this mm-hmm. you know why did I not put my foot down or ask for you know a bit of a raise or at least some sort of outside validation or like a thank you you know a little more often I have no regrets there was a lot of lessons learned but that was definitely a place where everybody was you know 
before me and then I was like okay it doesn't matter if I don't sleep if I'm stuck in traffic all the time if I'm tired if I'm working 12 hours a day only getting paid for four it's all good let's yeah. smile and I'm a good person I'm a good trader mm -hmm. I'm a good colleague um yeah that was a huge huge one for me lots mm -hmm. of lessons learned there what about yourself Emma there's so many examples I could give but I would I think one of the earliest kind of um indications to me that I was like being a people pleaser and, and not having good boundaries with clients um, was I realized that aside from when I block time to buy a plane ticket and fly away somewhere, like I'm working constantly. It was seven days a week. I'm a photographer. So I often serve clients who work like the standard nine to five and I find myself working evenings and weekends. That's just the nature of my business. It is what it is. Um, so not so much that, but what I realized is that I had no days off. Um, and I ended up like working seven days a week. I eventually decided that I needed, you know, a day off here and there, but I would always, whenever a client would come around, I, d I would decide like next Tuesday, I'm taking that day off. And then a client would inevitably come around and be like, the only day I can shoot is on Tuesday. Okay. You know, it was going to be my day off, but oh, well, <laughs> so that was one of like the first indications that something needed to change because I was burning out. Yeah. 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 It's almost like you get yourself so far to the other side where you're like, you're forced yeah. to change something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause exactly. you just can't do it anymore. Yeah. For myself, um, I would definitely say now that I'm on the other side of it, um, I was one who never really had an opinion for myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was so very passive, just went with the flow and was 100% a follower. Like mm -hmm. it's just what I did cause I didn't want to make waves. Um, I didn't like conflict. Like it paralyzed me to think if I would be in conflict or mm -hmm. someone would, um, you know, try to, you know, stand up for something and I would have to give my opinion back. Like I would freaking hate that. And so that showed up in a lot with not wanting to raise my prices in my fitness business because mm -hmm. um, I was afraid that people would judge me or wouldn't like me. Mm -hmm. um, even like $10 a month. Like I remember raising my prices. It took me like years, $10 a month. And I wrote this like amazing letter to all of my clients and that this would not be happening like often and nobody even flinched. And I was like, oh, that, that's been interesting. interesting. Yeah. I mean, this is not a problem. Yes. <laughs> and then even in relationships, uh, I would lose myself. Mm -hmm. I would, mm -hmm. like, I would, I wouldn't even recognize myself by the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why I think I, I got out of a lot of relationships because I found myself so far down this hole of like, Oh my goodness, like who am I? I'm living for them. I'm doing everything for them. Um, and I don't even know who I am anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. almost like you're putting your life on hold to please somebody else's life. hundred percent. I'm so guilty of that. hundred percent. I'm so yeah. guilty. Yeah. Um, any other examples for us, Claudia? Yeah. Um, so I would have random people message me on Facebook or messenger and like, Oh, they see me traveling because I, have, I had a travel blog and all that. And then they would start asking questions and I don't mind helping. I don't mind being like, Oh, I went to this place and it was awesome. And if you need a place to stay, this hostel's great. But I would find myself being in conversations with people that would take hours, mm -hmm. like hours. And that person's not really my friend. I don't know this person at all, but I would feel bad to be like, look, there's Google, there's YouTube. There's a lot of travel blogs. Like right. the information is out there. And I can answer a question here and there, but it was like paragraphs and texts and like voice messages. And like, why am I wasting so much time? But it went back to like, I felt bad. Yeah. This person has for my, for my help. And if I don't help them, they're not going to love me. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was like, no, I have to help them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, got out of that. I was like, nope, like I can answer. I can help for sure. I'm there, but I don't need to be spending 
hours, like hours yeah. weekly, just helping people with like a thumbs up back. Yeah. And I was like, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Just wrote you a novel. Yeah. Do you recognize so that? So dismissive. Yeah. When people give me the thumbs up, I'm like, okay. But then it's, it's like the, the sign that you're like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am I wasting so much time on people mm-hmm. that I don't know, you know, and I, I don't really care about yeah. and they don't even appreciate the help. So yeah. yeah. Anything else you can think of? Emma? Oh gosh, yes, I have a little list. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So one of the one of the things that I've struggled with, I've I've been a photographer now for over ten years, and um, I have always been, I've always wanted to like give in to clients asking for deals. Like sometimes people would email me and not even ask me for my rate. They'll be like, "What's the best deal you can give me?" Oh, Ugh, yeah. Vomit, right? Ugh. I don't like that. But it used to be a knee-jerk reaction for me. Like, well, let me, like, what, what, do, you, what do you want? To, you know? Yeah, what would <laughs> what you would like, you to, like pay to pay me? <laughs> that would be, like, my knee-jerk reaction. So once I, you know, started realizing this, I now can, like, put a stop to that. But that's not to say that I don't find myself still, like, oh, that, that urge is still there as a recovering people pleaser. So a recent example is that I sent off a, a proposal to a client with a quote for the project they had in mind. And it was a small project, so it was like $2,500 with all the deliverables and whatnot. And in this proposal that I wrote, there was a few different places where the costs were summarized. And in one, one of the places, I accidentally miscalculated the amount, and it said 2,000 instead of 2,500 for the total, even though all the items, line items, added up to 2,500. So anyways, I sent that off. I thought I had looked through it and, you know, just to make sure that didn't happen yet. It happened anyway. Um, and I sent it off to the client. The client gets back to me and almost jokingly is like, oh, you know, there's a little typo here. You know, I really like the sounds of 2000 instead of the 2500. And my knee jerk reaction was to be like, yeah, you can have it for 2000 instead of like for no good reasons. Like I'm about to devalue myself and my work for what? Because of one typo in one location, like you can do the math, it's clearly an error. But my knee-jerk reaction was to give them that deal. And obviously I stopped myself and I was like, oh, that was just a typo, that was definitely 2,500. Good for you. Yeah, but I have to say, like even writing that email and standing my ground Mm. was like out of character for me, out of past character anyways. like. Yeah, so anyways, they went through with the project and it was fine. But yeah. I was about to discount myself for a multi-billion dollar company, so yeah. go figure. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like Once we start to recognize this and we start to stand for what we know that we're worth and, and what we want, it's like we're always constantly tested, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Because if people, sometimes people will overstep, yeah. at, but most of the time people are just asking. People are just asking, people are, they're caught in their own world, doing their own thing. And it's when we don't have the boundaries or the voice to be able to stand up for ourselves that we let people walk all over us. Um, And especially a big one for me is like messages with clients, like text, email, Facebook messenger, Instagram. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 no. Mm -hmm. And and reigning in um, where people are contacting you. I mean, I have and enough as well, like nights and Sundays and like early mornings. Mm-hmm. And- yes. Um, and like what you were saying, Emma, and just feeling like such a need to like have to respond to them right, right away. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time I had a client, no, not even, they did end up hiring me, but it was just a, an inquiry um, sent uh, via email. And it, I think popped into my inbox at like 1130 PM on a Friday. And I thought, no, 
I am not going to answer this right now. It is late. No one expects me to answer it this late. Well, lo and behold, 8 a.m. the next morning, I get a follow-up email from the same person being like, did you get my email? Wow. And I was like, whoa. Like, I was like, what? what's a red flag for this client? Mm-hmm. But um, I ended up writing back to them and being like, hey, like, yes, I did see your email, but it came in at 11.30 p.m. last night, and I wasn't answering emails at that time. Yeah. So your follow-up email was only a couple hours later. In the middle of the <laughs> night. night. Yeah. yeah, like, I sleep at that time. <laughs> so anyways, uh, they were very, like, apologetic, apologetic. They were like, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize I sent it so late. I'm so sorry. It ended up being a great client to work with, and everything was fine. But... That email, I remember those two emails came in right on the cusp of me being like, I'm not going to answer emails mm. in the middle of the night. Like, I don't mm. need to do that. Yeah. It's a good test. Yeah. That's I fi- hard. I find I go out of my way, too, with new clients to let them know my schedule. Yeah. Like, I don't answer emails on Saturdays or mm-hmm. Sundays because if, if I don't let them know my schedule or my boundaries... I feel guilty right. yeah. when they message. Yeah. But it's like, if they know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, they message me Saturday morning, eight o'clock, they'll know I'll be back to emails right. on Monday yeah. and I can almost let that go. Yeah. Even with like autoresponders, um, like with going away. And sometimes I've forgotten to put autoresponders when I travel mm. and I'm answering emails while I'm away because I'm like, that's my fault. I didn't right. put on the autoresponder. Right. I can't let them wait a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just funny the way that we do these things to ourselves. Yeah. It's like an outside expectation from them. But then if you put down your boundaries, then they're like, okay, I know what to expect. Right. So then you're like, I don't have to feel guilty because they know what to expect. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's right. a work in progress. Emails, clients, oh, yeah. and like, especially because we run businesses, definitely a big one. Always a work in progress. I like that you said that you've, um, Sarah, um, told like clients coming at you from all different, you know, sources and, and mediums and whatnot. That's been very prevalent for me as my business has grown because I like connecting with my clients on social media. It's a great way to keep people in your circle, have them see your stuff, have them become returning clients and that sort of thing. But what it's opened um, me up to is clients contacting me on multiple platforms, sometimes mm-hmm. in one day, yeah. um, Instagram, you know, Facebook oh, yeah. messenger, you name it, emails, text messages, everything. So one of the things I've done more recently as part of my kind of winter like foundational check, like my business audit, what do I need to change? It's created a document with a bunch of like frequently asked questions or, um, yeah. And one of the things on there is like, I like connecting with clients on multiple platforms, but if you want to talk to me about your photo shoot, please email me. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only mode of communication that you should contact me for photo shoot related stuff. Yeah. 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 I do the same. Everybody gets like a welcome letter and like, these yeah. are my platforms, but if you need specific coaching questions, emails or like through the app. Right. And that works well. And then your it's your fault if you're actually texting back and right. like replying outside of like your usual hours. Yeah. So then it helps you, you know, being a little stricter with your own batteries as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've make a very strong point, especially because my school of influence, I coach people on Instagram. Um, and like at the very beginning, I'm like, listen, our communication as coaching client will be done through email. I do some review and mentoring of your social media content, but it will be done through email. Um, Because if I don't do that, and and it's no fault of the client. They're like, oh, here we're on Instagram. You know, here I'll ask you this question on Instagram. Or hey, can you take a look at this post? And and you really need to create your boundaries so that you're not running in chaos. Right. Um, And I always say to my clients, like, yeah, if you want to message me, like respond to things, have a little chit chat through social media, not a problem, but it's not a business related question. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if I'm in social media, I'm not necessarily maybe working on my business then. Like when I go to my email, I'm like, okay, this is client work. Or when we're in our client software, like this is 
client work and you're in a completely different state. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like having some fun on social media or doing some marketing content. Right. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And I think the client, typically clients, unless they run a business of their own, um, don't really appreciate that they're not the only person that's doing that. So, and not to mention that sometimes, let's say in my case, I'm planning a photo shoot. Sometimes that's many months in, in advance, like it's months down the road. So I need to have somewhere where I can go to see what I've discussed with that particular client out of the dozens and dozens and dozens of clients that I've been working with, what we've decided for their photo shoot. I need that all in one place. Mm-hmm. If you've contacted me about it on Instagram and on Facebook and whatever, like I'm not going to know what we're doing come the mm-hmm. come your appointment. Yeah. 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 No, hundred percent. So uh, let's get into like why we think this happens because it's, there's a reason for it, right? Like we don't necessarily, we're like, I'm going to be a people pleaser. <laughs> this is the path I want to take. Um, and this is, this is something that I've been really digging in, especially you know, working with therapists or working with Rachel, like working with Brenda through hypnotherapy. You know, there are so many patterns and behaviors that are just ingrained in us and that's how we live out our life. And if we're unconscious to it, right. we end up in situations that we don't necessarily like and we don't know how we got there. Right. So Claudia, what are some things that come to you when, you know, when I ask you, why do you think you fell into people pleasing? A mm-hmm. couple things. Um, definitely all goes back to self-love and self-worth. So if I'm perfect and I please everybody, everybody's going to love me. If I agree with everybody and I don't have my strong, you know, opinion, they're not going to judge me and I'm not going to disappoint anybody. So I feel like when you really, truly love yourself and you value your worth, you can be yourself. You can set those boundaries, have the confidence to do that. And then, and people are not going to love you less because you're like, I'm not going to answer your email at 11 p.m. But those are like the expectations that we think come from the outside world or like other people. And then they just become your own, your own pressure, mm-hmm. your own expectation. Mm-hmm. So to me, like, that's how I've been, like at my example at the gym, you know, like they're going to love me because I'm the perfect, you know, employee yeah. and everything. So self-worth, self-love, if you work on that, then you don't need that external people pleaser, you mm-hmm. know, validation, validation. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one for sure. Yeah. Where do you think that stems from? Um, so when I was growing up, I was a figure skater. I'm still a figure skater, let's yeah, be honest, are. guys. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, I was really good, really young, and I was really hard on myself from like a really young age. And my parents, my family, my coaches were like, oh my God, like she has a lot of talent and she works super hard. She's the perfect student. Mm-hmm. Like I skipped grade four because I was so good in school. So that label of like, I'm the perfect student, I'm the perfect skater, I work hard, you know, everybody's like fooling around and off ice, you know, trainings. I'm like in my little corner in the gym working hard. So all these labels and like the pressure, I think comes from being maybe like a bit on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. So again, people expect me to be nice and quiet and hard, hardworking. And like I said, the perfect mm-hmm. label, whatever label that is. Um yeah and then you realize that's not me it's part of me it's one side of myself it's like part of my personality like identity but then who am I without all these labels and without all that pressure and I'm not that people pleaser I'm not that perfect you know no opinion and like everybody needs to like me you know yeah so it goes back to that and I think it came from a while ago like growing up having these labels on myself about yourself Emma a lot of what Claudia said I can definitely relate to um growing up though I wasn't good at any like sports or anything like that what I found that I was really really good at was school 
and I mean like really good at like top of my class for most of my classes um you know I did really I was just like the the kind of quintessential nerd and did great and that was that but that was what I got I guess attention for in a way and like not negative attention I was never bullied or anything like that for for being the smart kid or, or whatnot um but you know I was praised by like family and you know, friends and parents of friends and that sort of thing. I remember parents of friends of mine would be like, wow, Emma's so mature. She's so grown up, mm. you know? And it would just make me feel like I was exceptional in some way. So I think that I was praised a lot for being, like, good at school and, like, being a good student and just being, like, this, like, model kid that, you know, never caused problems, mm. didn't get in trouble, didn't party, didn't do drugs, didn't drink alcohol, nothing, you know? So... I, I was a perfectionist in a way right from early, early childhood, I think in part because I was praised for it in many ways and it felt good to be good at something when I wasn't good at like sports or, or whatever, right? So I think that um, definitely had something to do with it. I also think in with my family dynamic, I found myself kind of being like the rock in the family, mm -hmm. like the emotional rock um, because of everything that was going on when I was a kid. And I think that's probably played into it too like I need to be there for everybody else like that's my role that's my responsibility and that definitely carried over into relationships as well yeah 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 I know for myself uh, grade school um, always in the quote-unquote popular group had a lot of great friends I was great at sports like always at the top of athleticism I always loved to like race and compete against the boys because mm -hmm. I found the girls were not challenging enough um, but then when I got to high school I had a really hard time with groups of girls and rumors that were spread about me that were just, I was like atrocious to the point where you're like, why would someone say that about me? Like, what did I ever do in order for someone to create that type of storyline or narrative? Mm -hmm. um, and in grade nine, there was a couple days I didn't go to school because I was threatened that I'd have my eyebrows shaved off. Wow. I had food thrown at me in the cafeteria. And then I switched schools uh, for grade 10 and on the first day I was surrounded by this group of girls had no idea who any of them were and they were like screaming and yelling at me my back was against a wall and they're like who do you think you are coming to this school and we heard that you're gonna like run this school and date all the boys and like all this like <sighs> stuff drama and I remember standing there going what are you talking about and just being so blindsided by something like that mm -hmm with not even instigating it. Right. Mm. And I never grew up with conflict in my family. My parents never fought, so I did not know how to stand up for myself. And I just think that traumatic experience of just not even knowing what to say, being so shocked, not knowing how to stand up for myself, that from that moment, I dimmed my light and I was like, I'm just going to keep waters even, even keel. I'm going to be nice to everybody. I'm not going to cause waves. Um, because I didn't want to go through an experience like that again. Mm -hmm. That's very traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, like I, I was telling you guys earlier, like I was part of like the smoker group cause like I didn't want to be with those popular girls. Um, I just, and I mean, I think that's why I've kind of always gravitated to awesome women like you who are authentic and genuine and don't deal with drama um, because that, that side just never really appealed to me because of what I went through. Mm -hmm. um, and so there was a huge fear of not being liked, a yep. huge mm -hmm. fear of being rejected. My self-worth was low. Therefore, like my, my self-love was low. And I went through life just 
just following like so much of a followship because I didn't know how to stand up for myself or have an opinion for myself because I didn't, I had such a fear of not being liked, mm-hmm. like such a fear. Um, and that just led to like overgiving and overpleasing and, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately losing yourself in yeah. all of that because you don't even know who you are when mm-hmm. you're just giving all of yourself to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You lose, so that, you lose some of your identity really when 100%. you're not rocking the boat, when you're always just going along with what everybody mm-hmm. else wants, whether it's clients or in a relationship or whatnot, like you lose who you are yes. in yeah. those cases. You don't know what you stand for anymore. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even working through this, um, like even, even with Joe, it was like a couple years ago, like he did something that I, I really didn't like and I, I was shaking and I was like sweating and I was just like, babe, I'm feeling really anxious to tell you this. I was like, but I didn't really like that you did this. I'm not mad at you. Yeah. I, it's not that I don't love you. And I remember like telling him that and he was like, okay, yeah. but just the fear of the, and, and I think it's, I, I felt like I wasn't loved because I was rejected um, because of all that bullying. And so if I speak up for myself, I don't want it to seem like I don't love you because I didn't like that you did this mm-hmm. or I have a different opinion. Right. Um, it's yeah. Cause you go back to those feelings from yourself right, and you're sure. like, I don't want to oppose that on anybody. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something so minor. Um, but it's interesting the trauma that that takes on us and then just to overcome that. And so it's been years of just, kind of being super uncomfortable and saying things differently and speaking up for myself and surrounding myself with really good people who I know like really love me for me mm-hmm. um, and know that I would never do anything to actually hurt them no matter what I yeah. say. Because yeah. um, it's hard to undo these patterns. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's so ingrained. Yeah, sorry. But you start and then you end up like being like, oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry I said that. Like, never mind, you know? Like you say something, you have the confidence to like, oh, like, Joe, I didn't really like that you did this. But then depending on the reaction, you're already ready to be like, oh, never mind, you know? Like, I'm sorry. Like, I was like that with my ex. I was like, there's something that we can t- chat about or work on. And then I'll be like, no, no, I have to be the perfect girlfriend and like not bring any more problems to his life right. because I want to save him and I want to please him and all of that. And then he'll so love me more. Yeah. <laughs> and then... That's that works, right? Exactly. So then you're already... You know, saying you're sorry and like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a cycle. But that's how it starts. Just like saying something out loud and then like going through the icky feeling and then realizing, oh, like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. You need to retrain yeah. your emotions. They, they still love right. me. And if I love myself, I don't need them to love me less or more because right. I'm talking about how I'm feeling or like something that yeah. I wasn't agreeing on or whatever. I think, um, you know, being in, in relationships where um I was over functioning and like doing way too much and and whatnot that was a, a hugely like an aspect of my people-pleasing nature and like let me just lighten your load yeah. let me just do everything for you yeah. so that you have no worries whatsoever you know that's definitely was me mm-hmm. oh god me too um but then to also be like in situations where in those relationships like I felt like I couldn't um, bring up something that I was upset about because I would now in hindsight, it's obviously be gaslit like to where by the end of the conversation, it had been turned around on me and I'm apologizing yeah. for being upset in the first yeah. place. So that kind of like reaffirmed my people pleasing nature because it was like, well, I'm just not going to bring up what I'm upset about and I'm just going to get over it quietly by mm-hmm. myself and yeah. you know, not talk about it. Yeah. Because what's what good will come of it? I'll just rock the boat and make things more difficult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I find like that's because I was in many relationships like that as yeah. well. And if you are a pushover, a people pleaser, someone who doesn't stand up for yourself, I found myself always in, uh, you know, verbally, emotionally Emotion abusive relationships yeah. because 
obviously, you know, there's an attraction factor for, from an energetic perspective and, you know, other women wouldn't put up with that if they, right. they had that yeah. their own self-worth, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, me who had low self-worth, I'm like, okay, yeah, just treat me like shit. I'll yeah. still be here. Yeah. You'll, still, you'll still come home to me and I will have cooked you dinner too. Yeah. <laughs> I also found too, like when I started to become aware of like, there would be situations where I'm like, I probably should say something, but I don't want to, or people overstepping boundaries or clients overstepping boundaries. But I, I had witnessed so much of people overstepping me and being aware of it that I didn't want to be a burden to other people because Mm -hmm. so much of me was like, how could they do that? Or how could they say that? Or Mm -hmm. do they not see like how they're just being like super annoying or overstepping boundaries or being, you know, um, yeah. But again, it's me pushing it too far to the Mm -hmm. point where I'm burnt out or I've let something go on too far. We're like, how could I say something now? And this has been happening for three years. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's your perception too, you know, and one sentence that really helped me was like, I'm saying yes to myself and that does not mean I'm saying no to the other person. Mm, So that like truly, really helped me. I was like, no, I don't want to go to this dinner with these friends that have nothing to relate to and like talk about and everything. I'm saying yes to myself. I'm not saying no to them. I don't love them less. They're good people, but I'm saying yes to myself. Right. It doesn't serve me anymore to spend time doing yeah. this or that. Yeah. Um, that was a like helpful sentence for me. I still repeat that sentence to myself to this day. But yeah, you're saying yes to yourself. Right. Yeah. right? That's powerful. I think Melanie Sodka was, I remember in the talk that she had as part of our mastermind um, way back when, I think I remember her speaking about, to that effect. Like yeah. what are, when you say no to this, what are you saying yes to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when you say yes, that's right. What are you, what are you saying no to? And that was like a, whoa, like mm-hmm. a mind shift for me. Like I never thought of it that way. Like every time I say yes by answering an email mm-hmm. at, in the middle of the night, every time I compromise on, you know, a day that I decided was for me, but then I give it to a client. Like what, what am I saying no to? What am I saying yes to? Mm-hmm. Like that was a big game shifter for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. So what have you ladies used as tools? And we kind of call each other recovering, um, yes. <laughs> people pleasers, you know, like alcoholism, you're never fully over it. Nope. Something <laughs> you're always working on. So what are some tools and strategies that uh, you two have used to really help yourself gain back that control? Mm-hmm. For me, it's been, um, I've gotten a lot better at listening to my gut, you know, like you, Claudia mentioned like that icky feeling, Yeah. you know, that I, I can feel it in my gut now. And there's like an icky feeling where like I have this knee jerk reaction to devalue, let's say my services or something like that. But I get this icky feeling in my gut now about doing that. Um, and I'm like, have to listen to that feeling like it's there. It's telling me like, you know, value yourself, like you're worth it. You know, this doesn't feel right. Mm. But so I use that now as my like gauge. Okay. Like I, this obviously is not the right thing to do. My gut's telling me this is wrong. I've, I've ignored my gut for so long and it's been right all the time. So that's something I've learned. Funny how that works. Yeah. Always. Always. (laughs) Always. Yeah. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah. For me, it was starting to ask myself some better questions. So instead of just saying, yes, 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 yes. Like wait, pause. Do I really want to do this? Mm -hmm. Am I, you know, being strict with my boundaries if I say yes or no to this? What is serving me right now in my life? So if I say yes to this or no to that, or if I don't put that boundary down, then is this serving me for my higher purpose, my mission, my ambitions and all of that? So just like pausing before I say yes automatically Mm -hmm. and asking these questions. And then the answer, like you said, it's like your gut feeling. The answers 
will give you the answers about what you're supposed to do or not right. do. Yeah. So just like breaking the action reaction and then just stopping in the middle, asking myself some better questions. That was, uh, that's been helpful. It's still a work in progress, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah. I found like really getting to know myself, um, and know who I am getting in touch with my emotions. What makes me feel good. Kind of like your, mm -hmm. your gut reaction there. What doesn't make me feel good. And really just learning to stand up for myself because if you, if I don't and I do something for someone else and I don't want to, like that affects me emotionally. Right. It, it affects me energetically. And then, and then I'm compromising my own life and my own self. Yeah. Um, and so if you don't really know who you are, um, and I didn't for so long because I just allowed myself to go with the flow and did what friends did. And I, you know, fell into, fell into many bad habits. Uh, when you don't know who you are, you'll compromise yourself for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, so when you know yourself and you'll know your boundaries and you know, my, my capacity and what I want in life and what I want to do and what I don't want to do when you don't know those things, mm -hmm. it's just so hard to lose your, it's so easy to lose yourself. Yeah, right. And you live for the labels that everybody else is putting oh, on you. God, you're supposed the, to be oh, perfect. You're God, supposed to yeah. be this. Yeah. You're the perfect yeah. blah, blah, blah. So then who are you without these labels, mm -hmm. without that external pressure, mm -hmm. without the inner pressure that we put yeah, on ourselves, yeah. you know? I love what you just said there about the labels. Um, and that was something big for me getting out of the fitness industry and knowing I didn't want to compete anymore, knowing I wanted to shift more into, you know, business coaching and personal development and stuff. And it's like, well, who am I if I'm not Sarah Fennell, the fitness girl right. that everybody knows me for and everybody expects me to, um, you know, compete. And really that's our, my own internal dialogue that's what I've realized. Like mm -hmm. it, you know, we think that we have pressure and expectations on us, but it's more so your perception of that and the narrative that you're creating in your own head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your own identity that you've kind of created. And I mean, it's hard to let go of like any identity, right. Any shift. I think that was a big, um, that was a big difficulty for me because I had identified as like the good student for so long. Mm -hmm. And I went to university and I suddenly wasn't like the greatest student. Like, Oh my God, now I'm not doing that well. Now I'm going to you know, fail everyone's expectations and like I'm doing terribly. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that was the first thing that kind of opened up that I could have like a shift in my identity, that mm -hmm. I could reinvent myself and like become, you know, something different, do something different that like suited me. Yeah. It's been an interesting journey mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's interesting to look back. Yeah. Yeah. Any other tactics or strategies? Um, just being aware because sometimes we project our own like that person's not gonna love me if I disagree with that person they're not gonna love me but usually if they don't then they're not your person right. they're not yeah. part of your tribe yeah. and you should not even worry about what they think of you so just being aware of like what are you projecting and what are what's your own fear mm -hmm. and your own label and your own pressure and your own like you know, um, I'm the perfect student. I'm not doing so well. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen if you love yourself mm -hmm. and your parents will still love yourself. So yeah, just being mindful of that and aware of like who really matters in my life, who's my tribe and like, who's it is serving me yeah, right. to grow as an awesome person. And like the rest, mm -hmm. just work on your self love, you know? Yeah. yeah I was, sorry. No, you go ahead. Um, I was going to say like exposure therapy is what comes to mind for me. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, when, or before, when I would decide, you know what, I want to take Mondays off or, you know, Tuesdays off or whatever. And then, it, like I said, inevitably a client would roll around and it's like, that's the only day I can, you know, um, have for this photo shoot or use for this photo shoot. So I would inevitably compromise my own kind of time off and, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think of myself almost like as deserving of having that time off when I could be working, I could mm -hmm. be doing something for somebody else. So I would always compromise that, but eventually 
um, I decided to stick to it. And that was really scary at first because I did inevitably have clients be like, oh, that's the only day that I can, you know, do this photo shoot. And I would say, I'm sorry, I can't do it on that day. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> they suddenly know. had other days that they could do Funny. a photo shoot on. <laughs> yeah. So all this time I'd been deferring to other people's schedules and like putting my own kind of needs last um, for self-care and, you know, downtime and recuperation, restorative times. And yeah, I've been happy all this yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't stick to my guns. And now it's easy to be like, no, that's, I can't do this yeah. day. Period. You, yeah. You retrain yourself that it, it's okay for me to say this, right. that, that exposure therapy, like the more that you do it. And even like me having Joe, like I'll talk out loud. I'm like, I see myself in this pattern or I want to say this, but it feels weird of me saying this, but I'm going to say it. And it's funny. Cause like if, if you're around people that are on growth paths as well, you can joke about your yeah. growth right. um, because it almost becomes humorous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, we, we, you know, we've had conversations about people pleasing and little jokes between the three of us. Um, <laughs> so it's really good to have that circle around you. Um, because if you are growing, you will outgrow yourself. You'll, you know, shed identities, grow new identities. Um, and if you don't have people around you growing like that, it can sometimes be difficult to be changing um, when other people are not changing right. around you. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, who are you now? And yeah. why are you doing this? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, your your tribe is everything. Yeah, it can definitely cause friction. And it can cause, you know, it's it becomes more difficult to relate to people who are not on those paths of mm-hmm. growth or, or, you know, are not on the same wavelength as you are, even if you're in different stages, like that's fine. Yeah. But it becomes more and more difficult to relate to people. And then you kind of have to like, let them go with love. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we're just, you know, we've served mm-hmm. each other well all this yeah. time. But yeah. We're, we're just not, not on the same frequency yeah. anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's okay. I don't have to please you anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that's the thing, like, I also found I was keeping myself small and I was holding myself back because I was trying to still play on everybody else's level. Oh, right. I can so relate to that. Oh, yeah. yeah. What are they going to yeah. think of me if I say out loud my big ambition to change the world, you know? Yeah. They're not going to be able to relate. They're going to judge me. They're not going to love me. They're mm-hmm. going to think I'm this, this, and that. I'm like, no, they're not. And if they do, they're not part of my tribe. And exactly. that is okay. Yeah. But that's yeah. a hard one to let go and that's as a people pleaser as a recovering people pleaser it's a very difficult one to let go oh wonderful ladies thank you so much thank you for having us this is a great conversation um i've asked you both this question but i definitely want to ask it again what does fulfillment mean to you this this is such a big it it shifts all the time which is why i want to ask you it again fulfillment to me means like security abundance love so many things all the ooey gooey feelings Mm -hmm. yeah yeah to me it means like living in alignment like i wake up in the morning i'm like i'm living true to my values Mm. i'm making a difference i'm calm present grounded and i go to bed i'm satisfied and i'm just in a really nice bliss that i'm growing stepping forward on my journey Mm -hmm. and changing lives along the way i love it yeah wonderful thank you so much ladies thank you Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. You freaking rock. I love our community. I would love for you to join me over on Instagram. It is my favorite platform to hang out in. And if we're not connected, just find me, Sarah.Fennel. And I would also love for you to take a screenshot of this episode that you're listening to here today and throw in your stories, tag me, let me know what resonated with you the most. It helps me create more content for you moving forward. And always remember that we are in this together. <laughs>